If you're not sure whether it's okay to laugh, I've appointed Jack Rogers as my official laugh person for the crowd, so just follow his lead. Thanks, Jack. All right. Well, we're going to start uh, with the words of Jesus in John 17, 20. Uh, when I looked in the Bible, it was under the title, Jesus Prays for Believers Everywhere, so this is probably pretty important. Um, it starts, I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they'll all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they'll be in, in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they might be completely one so the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them just as you've loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because, because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you, and these men know that you sent me. So hello. Um, it's been almost two years since I last stood on this stage and gave my testimony uh, or message to publicly discuss my walk to the cross. The last two years have been full of a lot of suburb- suburban problems, uh, like a job, job transfer, home renovation, how to operate the stove when my wife is not home, and why I don't have any clean underwear. Those types of things. In fact, I complained to some of my friends that I don't have any real mountaintop experiences or valley moments. And people told me it was a blessing from God. So I started to write my blog shortly after my baptism and called it the Gateway Dunk, referring to the joy and subsequent search for that joy after my baptism. In other words, the joke is I need to be baptized more than once, probably even daily. So I wrote initially to express my new outlook on life through my brand new eyes that God, who looks like Bob Barker and therefore in my head sounds like Bob Barker, has granted me. So as I recently looked back through the blog, uh, it seems I've had plenty of mountaintop experiences and way more valley experiences than I remembered. So the majority of my valley writing uh, was about not hearing from God. It was about uh, depression I might suffer from. Or uh, it also alluded to my family, although it never directly addressed it. Uh, it did directly address the spiritual attack that I constantly feel. And so eventually I stopped writing because I decided that while God loved me, I have way too much baggage in my past to receive God's grace. In fact, um, at Christmas of year one of my new life in Christ, I entered a blog titled Overgifter to address the growing sadness inside of me. And it reads, Every year we head to my mom's house for Christmas with a big box full of presents for my parents, my nieces and nephew, and my grandparents. Uh, Each year we come home with an amount of presents that could fill a U-Haul, all for my children. This has always irritated me because I hate being outgifted. The balance of power in my home has always been maintained by laying out a rough estimate of how much we're going to spend and on each other. And then every once in a while, that agreement is broken by one of us, and the other one gets ticked off. So there's a level of trust that exists while you're purchasing your gift for that other person that they're spending roughly the same amount as you. So as an example, this year we decided to reset our ever-growing Valentine's Day budget. Uh, we decided just to spend a couple of bucks. I didn't believe that was going to happen, so I spent a lot more, and when I gave my wife her present, she presented me with a card with no envelope, and she didn't even bother to sign it. (laughs) So I was driving to work the other day and thinking about if we believe in Jesus, we also have to believe uh, that he's always with us every single day, all day. I started to realize what a gift that is to have his spirit with me. 
But then I realized that one of the reasons I struggle with accepting forgiveness and His true grace and why I don't feel like if I don't work, I won't get it is because God way over-gifted me on Christmas. Think about it. People always say that Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. Well, here's your socks, God. I, uh, wow, God, this is awkward. I mean, seriously, how could I ever give a gift that would counter that gift? I'm not trying to be funny, but what if you showed up at Easter at your parents' house with a gift basket full of salves and balms and smelly bath salts, and your mom filled your basket with undeserved grace, forgiveness, and an eternity in heaven, and peanut butter-filled chocolate eggs? You'd be angry with an unrepayable gift. And that's what I struggle with. I just hope God likes his new scarf. That was my blog. So early last year, after a rather boring sermon by Jeremy Shelley, I... I listened, I listened, that's the second time he's heard that joke, so he's finally, you know. I listened to the worship music. It wasn't anything I would listen to in my normal life, but I was overcome by emotion. I, I'm not sure what the song was about, probably like some Jesus is my boyfriend thing, but what hit me was truth. The truth, thanks Jack. The truth that hit me was that if I'm not accepting God's grace through the death of Jesus on the cross and living each day to be in full relationship with other people, I still have a lot of work to do. The cross is not the destination. The cross is just the start of the path. The cross is the meeting place, like when a child might get lost at SeaWorld because they saw a cotton candy trailer, and then the parents keep walking, and once you realize it, the crying starts, and you tell the kind helper... I told the kind helper to take me to the Shamu station statue at the front of the gate near the picnic area. Anyway, man, I don't enjoy life like I'm a forgiven person with no baggage and past. I don't love my family with joy. I don't tell my children who've disappeared every day that the world would be completely different without them. I don't love my wife like I'm trying to win her heart every time we're together. I don't care for my brother like someone who has grabbed his inheritance as a child of God. I don't read the words of Jesus and understand those are God's words. I don't. It's me. In Psalm 88, we read a man about a man blaming God for everything that's happened to him. I feel like that every single day. But even through that, I know that God's presented a lot of lights in front of me to help guide me through the darkness. And those lights come in the form of Christian brothers and sisters, and honestly, a lot that aren't uh, declared believers. And I should be pouring out my love even more to them. So we bought a house. I was fixing it up. Our kids moved to a new school system. My spiritual life was back on track. I slung a couple scriptures here and there, yada, yada, yada. And then I have a riddle for you. What has two thumbs and got laid off and was unemployed for the first time his entire life in, the, in October? This guy. What an interestingly uh, insight-filled but seriously unwanted time in my life. I went to work on Monday after complaining how bored I was to my wife on Friday and was sat down by three people and an HR voice. And it was on the phone, and, and I was told my services were no longer needed because of budget cuts. So I was instantly ready to stab somebody in the face with the pen they handed me to sign my severance. My face was flush, and I had all my pre-baptism dirt back in my head because now, of course, I'm clean as snow. But then, out of nowhere, I started to laugh. I literally thought about all the conversations that I've had with my wife and family and group of trusted man friends known as my accountability buddies. 
about how sometimes in life we see the door, the door has a sign on it that says Steve's door. We know where to walk through a aforementioned door, but we don't. So why is that? Well, I can only speak for myself here, but I think it's because deep down we know that door usually requires some sort of sacrifice. And I wish the sacrifice was like having to give up the extra fries that you find at the bottom of your McDonald's bag or raking somebody's leaves in October. But the truth is, sacrifice is usually getting rid rid of a way of thinking or acting uh, or way of life that doesn't belong anymore. So God opened up the door in front of me, hoisted me like DJ Jazzy Jeff on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and tossed me out the door Uncle Phil style. So I called my wife, who became extremely upset. I called her again, and now she'd changed to upset for me. I called her later, and she told me I could never go back to work there if I was the man that she married. That was what I wanted to hear. Finally, somebody agreed that I had too much dignity to crawl back to there for a lesser job. And that all sounded really great until God once again left me out to dry. Not in a bad way, but in a God way. I started the rest of my week by burying myself in um, projects around the house, landscaping, carpentry, plumbing, cleaning, um, etc. And then I would pick the kids up from school. My wife would come home and tell me some minute details about her day that she thought were important. And I would tell her lots of things and fill her evenings with details about cleaning my shovel, picking out plumbing pieces and flagstone that wouldn't come clean. Why did I feel the need to justify my existence? Where is all this insecurity coming from? She would ask what I want for dinner, and I would respond with something like, I can hear the animosity in your voice. You don't have to hide it. And she would say, so pizza? (laughs) So is the door that God threw me through one where I have absolutely no idea where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do? Apparently. So interestingly, I started a new book called Storyline by Donald Miller. Uh, The point of the book is to help me make a timeline for myself that lists the turning points in my life. Now, these can be happy moments, they can be sad moments, they can be reflective moments, aha moments, or new way of, just new way of thinking. So I spent 20 minutes filling it out, um, and then I shared it with Nicole. There was not a lot of reflection, minimal aha moments. When I went over it, she proceeded to advise me that it was missing substance. So, although she couldn't quite explain it, uh, she felt that it was the in-between moments between those points that mattered most. Um, and then finding those would probably help more. So there was a website that goes with the program called My Dashboard, which is up here. I created my profile, and as you can see, I picked a dashingly handsome picture of myself, uh, added a story about losing weight in the future, uh, and moved into the <laughs> personal stuff. Right off the bat, I was stopped dead in my tracks. There was a section um, that called for me to write a tagline. It's the little blue link right there. It says Life Theme. And I tried to think of all kinds of funny things because that's my personality, like, Steve, I can't make it any worse. Or just don't do it. Or do you smell something? All applicable. And then I read this disclaimer that said, this tagline should be the filter with which you view life. That's heavy. How do I view the world? Well, it's important important to the exercise because it helps me decide uh, whether part of my new storyline fits into my filter or my life theme and whether or not it's important to my story arc. So, for example, if my life goal is to mentor young men, maybe finishing my old college pub crawl isn't that big of a deal. Maybe it shouldn't be a goal. So more importantly, have I been looking through the same dirty lens for so long that I'm seeing everything incorrectly and even against the will that Christ has in store for me? 
So I'd like to do a quick exercise now, uh, just to test my theory here out. If you call yourself a good friend of mine and would like a microphone or just want to raise your hand and participate, um, all I want you to do is answer one adjective for my personality, and don't hold back. Uh, I've asked my kids and wife the other day these, and they told me some really interesting answer, answers that opened my eyes. Anyone? Perky. Interesting. Anyone? Thank you, grumpy. Short. Thank you. Unintentionally excitable. All right. Um, well, I'll share with you what my... What's that? Yes. That's true. Uh, well, I'll share with you what my family said, even though I'm the funniest human being that they've ever met, and probably the most optimistic about a mid-40s growth spurt as any adult male. <laughs> the words that they say describe how I view relationship are cynical, yet optimistic, disbelieving, somewhat bitter, and sarcastic. I view all scenarios through that lens. That was both funny and one of the saddest moments of my life. So I got to work with a professional. Uh, I met with Wendy for some pre-counseling uh, to discuss some of the issues that were in my timeline. And just as a side note, there was nothing more priceless than the look on her face when right in the middle of a uh, intense emotional moment, uh, I stood up, announced that I had to pee, and left the room. <laughs> I had to go. So I digress. Uh, she gave me some topics to dig into a little bit deeper. Topics such as, why do particular versions of the song Hallelujah that Hannah sung uh, make me cry? Uh, why are liars despicable to me? And why does this particular video evoke such an emotional response? That didn't get me first service, but that got me there. I've been searching for answers. Um, recently, Ross asked me to speak to all of you today, and I got a major answer on a question that I wasn't really even asking in my timeline. So here's the answer. I love to be up here in front of you. I love the adoration. I love it. I love the applause. I love sharing with you that my blog, blog is read in 27 countries. I love feeling like maybe something I have to say might make somebody accept Christ. I love the thought of my family thinking I'm an awesome person. I know all of this because I wrote six different versions of what I was going to say today, and none of them sounded anything like what I'm actually saying. I tried to go theologian like Ross. Stunk. I try to go applicability and bohemian like Jeremy, stinky. I try to come up with a hipster song set like Dusty, very stinky. I even tried to figure out a way to piecemeal a bunch of blog entries together, all super stinky. In fact, in my house, uh, we have a game called Stinky Not Stinky. So for example, uh, new flowers, judges? Thank you, Bella. Not so stinky, right. Uh, American bulldog farts. Oh, very stinky, very stinky. So all the messages that I wrote fell just above a bulldog fart and just below an onion left in the fridge, somewhere in there. So then I spent the morning in prayer, also known as a dog the bounty hunter marathon, um, asking what God wanted me to say. I feel now that I was getting laughed at or with, uh, or with by God because what he, I was really saying is, God, what do you want me to say today or in January? to the people that will bring glory to me. I know I was being laughed at because the first verse that I came across was the prayer that Jesus said for all of mankind that I read earlier. Let me explain why this is funny if you're not following here. I asked God what he wanted me to say, and he told me what he already said. Ha ha, very funny. I get it, God. 
No, seriously, what do you want me to say? Oh, you're not joking? Okay. Calm down, God. I see your serious face. So I realize now that my mindset is still one of people-pleasing. It's deeply, deeply ingrained. I'm unable to have relationship without pretense. I don't truly find my worth in Christ yet, or I wouldn't judge people. I wouldn't calculate. I wouldn't live my life as if your judgment holds any eternal weight. Now, please don't skewer me on the comment cards for saying that, but truthfully, everybody in this room is going to be dead in the next hundred years, and the only thing I'm going to be remembered for is my chiseled physique and maybe in some pictures. My true significance, my true, true significance is found in glorifying Christ in all that I do. So let's read his prayer again. John 17:20 said, I'm not praying only on their, or I'm, I am not praying only on their behalf, but also on the behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they will all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me and you've loved me just, you've loved them just as you've loved me. Father, I want you, I want those you've given to me to be with me where I am so that they may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you and these men know that you sent me. So when I pray inwardly without pretense, and I'm talking about the prayers that I pray uh, in the dark, the prayers where reputation and external significance don't exist. I usually pray for much heavier stuff than I would pray in a group. In fact, I usually carry on a conversation with God just like he's in the room with me. I find solace uh, in the fact that, that uh, Christ prayed this prayer here. He prays outwardly with reckless abandon without any these or thines. And just as a side note, I'm not a theologian, but I'm pretty sure these and thines were, were probably not really spoken for realsies by Christ. Just as a side note. And with this true want for me, let me say that again. This prayer is for me and for you. He says, I want these people to understand that even if they don't fully understand you, I pray they understand that if they know me, you recognize them as your sons and daughters. Like you recognize me. He prays God glorifies them as God glorified Christ. Christ has glorified us. So what does that mean? That means we'll have an eternal body like Christ. That means we'll have an eternal soul like Christ. That means we'll love the same things as Christ. That means we can accept the things, thoughts, and situations that are not of God for what they are and use our negative life moments as times to find solace in the arms of our Papa. Christ will be our strength if we allow him to be. He'll be our words if we allow him to be. He'll be our ferocious temper in the face of real injustices if we allow him to be. Christ has prayed on our behalf for the same inheritance that he has. The one that he received, and that is more important than any job, any blog, any hurts from my past, and any applause that you may want to give. He prayed that we rise daily knowing that we are to live freely and with, with constant joy. But I constantly struggle every moment of every single day to find my validation and my purpose in things of this world. So here's my point of the entire message that I want you all to consider and please chew on. When we seek and find our validation in Christ alone, it removes all pretense from all relationships. We can live free without trying to fix people, ourselves included. We can stop comparing ourselves to every single person we meet 
or see on TV or work with, we can be light in the communities because we know that we're glorified through his prayer for us. We can live with reckless abandon for Christ because he freed us from all of our baggage. And I don't do that. So I'm naming my sin today. I seek my validation in other people and my activities. Do you? Do you live without agenda? Are you willing to name your sin when it's just you and God alone in the dark talking? Are you ready to rise a free man or free woman in Christ? I love the prayer from St. Patrick's Breastplate. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a little long. It's extremely powerful. And I want to read it for you today. You can take it as a dramatic reading, because I promise it will be. Or you can rest in it as a prayer for you. If you want to make a decision to allow Christ to pray on your behalf, to follow his guidance, to lean on him as your rock, to be a rock for others, to recommit, or just to praise him, today is that day. So here it is. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I arise today through the strength of the love of cherubim in the obedience of angels, in the service of archangels, in the hope of resurrection to meet with reward in the prayers of patriarchs, in the predictions of prophets, in the preachings of apostles, in the faith of the confessors, in the innocence of holy virgins, and in the deeds of righteous men, I arise today through the strength of heaven, through the light of the sun, the radiance of the moon, the splendor of fire, the speed of lightning, the swiftness of wind, the depths of the sea, the stability of the earth, the firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me. God's wisdom to guide me. God's eye to look before me. God's ear to hear me. God's word to speak for me. God's hand to guard me. God's shield to protect me. God's host to save me from snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill from afar and near. I summon today all the powers between me and those evils against every cruel and merciless power that might oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of paganism, against false laws of heretics, against craft of adultery, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, every mouth and everyone who speaks to me, in every eye that sees me, every ear that hears me, I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, the confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Amen.